2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 7. If you're there, say amen. If you're not, say hang on just a second. All right. Two, three. If you're not there yet, look at the screen. Amen. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Somebody say a thorn. Oh, my. I'm thankful nobody in this church knows what he's talking about. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And for this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And God's response to me was, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now this seems so contradictory tonight. He said, therefore, I take pleasure. In my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses, for Christ's sake. I'd like for us to read this last line together, if we could, as one voice. Let's read it together. For when I am weak, then am I strong. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I'm going to just talk to you tonight if you need a subject from the subject of our devotion this week in our Focus 2 chapter. It's hard to say it any better than this. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient and you may be seated in Jesus' name. I don't know how many of you subscribe weekly and take uh, a copy or download a copy of our Focus 52 devotion but I love it. This week, the quote at the top of the devotion page says, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Of course, this is a famous portion of the verse of the song, Amazing Grace, written by John Newton. But it is more than just lyrics to a song. It is the reality of every man, woman, and child that's under the sound of my voice tonight. We've all been through seasons that at the time felt like they were a little more than we could handle. But we are a product tonight of the all-sufficient grace of an almighty God. That when it felt like our back was against the wall and we had no other options, we found out that's when God does his very best work. You are a product tonight of an amazing God who is full of amazing grace. And if you're thankful, you ought to shout hallelujah. Frequently in my personal reading, I read from what some would call a translation called the message. I don't believe necessarily 
that it's a translation. I think it's a little bit too dangerous to be a translation. But it is uh, certainly uh, Eugene uh, Patterson's idea of what he thought in commentary of the scripture. And it's very good. He says very good things about the scripture. And I was reading 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And the portion that I read to you tonight in the King James. And I'd like to read it to you if I could in the message version tonight. I believe it will help somebody. He said, because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I would not get a big head. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. I want you to think about what I'm reading to you right now. This is powerful. He said, Satan's angel did his best to get me down. But what he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first I didn't think of it as a gift and I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that and then he told me, I love this, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations aside and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. I want to tell somebody in this house tonight that feels forsaken and forgotten. Like perhaps you've been in a season that you've wondered where in the world God was. I feel like reminding you tonight, you are not forsaken. And you are not forgotten. I know that we have this idea that once we're filled with the Holy Ghost... Life ought to be a bed of roses, but I want to tell you that I have found even walking with the Lord that sometimes life is more like the thorn of a rose than it is a bed of roses. And the real truth of the matter is that has absolutely nothing to do with God. I'm not sure we're quite ready for what I'm getting ready to tell you. Now, I've been preaching meetings before, been in services before. Where something goes wrong with the sound system, somebody makes a statement, the devil don't want us having church tonight. Did it really take a blown sound system for you to realize that? The speakers are going crazy. Squealing everywhere and like, mm, the devil's mad at us. And I'm like, well, I mean, if he's got to speak to you through a squeaky sound system, I guess. So be it. Hopefully he was mad at you before the sound system messed up. Yeah. I've, I've, I've seen people get flat tires on their way to church. And they're like, God, why would you let the devil do this to me on the way to church? Well, unless the devil's a pothole. You can't really blame the devil. Because it was a hole in the road. And welcome to after winter in the north. They're everywhere. you got to kind of play the opposite of Pac-Man. It's like 
You do your best to avoid them. And it's, it's part of life, you know. Somebody runs into us and we get a fender bend and we're like, man, the devil's doing his best to just destroy me and depress me. Well, let's, let's look at this a little bit different. First of all, the devil doesn't have a power to control another car that hits you and gives you a fender bender. So let's, let's get that out on the table. The devil didn't carve out that pothole that bent your rim and caused your tire to lose air. Now, while I believe that he's powerful, I believe he's very limited. And I believe sometimes he's getting glory for things that he don't have the power to do. But if you could look at it a little different way tonight, the next time you get that fender bender, you ought to just raise your hand and say, Lord, I want to thank you for sparing my life because it could have been a lot worse. We are so, we are so much in uh, a culture of faith that we oftentimes thank the Lord over and over for the things that he did. And there's nothing wrong with that, don't get me wrong, but we live our lives giving God praise for what he delivered us from. Thank you, Lord, that you delivered me from drugs. Thank you that you delivered me from alcohol. Thank you, Lord, that you delivered me from sin. And we thank you, Lord, that you touched our family and that you put our family back together. And it's the creative, proactive work of God. But oftentimes, I feel like we miss an opportunity of blessing when we fail to give him praise for the things that he did not have to do. I believe that the Lord is a healer and that if my family would have been involved in an accident today that he could have kept us and healed us and if limbs would have been broken or whatever, he could have fixed that. But I give him great praise tonight because it didn't happen. I think we miss an opportunity when we fail to give him praise for the things that he kept us from. I'm grateful for those that have the testimony that he brought you out of a lifestyle of drugs. But let me just give you my testimony tonight. I'm glad that he kept me from it and I never had to be delivered from it. I'm grateful for that. And, and I want our young people to have a revelation that your testimony doesn't have to be what he brought you from. I thank God for young people that are going to have a testimony of what he kept you from. Hallelujah. There is nothing wrong with God healing, saving, restoring, delivering. That's what he's in the business of doing. But he's also in the business of keeping. And he's been good to us. And so tonight I give God praise not only for the things that he has done. But for the things that he didn't do. For the things that did not happen. It's easy for us to get focused on the things that seem to hit us hard. There is a story that's told in your Bible that gives us a perfect picture of this. Jesus is in the boat. The boat's rocking. The waves are crashing. The lightning is flashing. And the only thing that the men on the boat can say is, we perish. It's kind of like what it looks like in our life when we have, have already made up our minds that we're going under. You do remember that before they ever got in that boat, Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Their hope was not necessarily in just the fact that he was riding with them. That's wonderful to know that he's in your vessel. But there was a word that he gave them before they ever left the shore that night and got into the storm. And the word was... You're going to make it. 
He didn't say that the storm wouldn't come. He just said, you're going to make it. He didn't promise that the lightning wouldn't flash and the thunder wouldn't crash, but he did say, you're going to make it. It's a beautiful picture of living for the Lord. Yes, the storm came. And yes, the boat was rocked, but they stood on a word that came before the storm ever got there. I feel like telling somebody tonight that's in the middle of a storm, you had a word before the storm ever came, and you're going to make it. Now, I'm going to talk to you about something tonight that's really uncomfortable. So everybody just put on your uncomfortable seatbelts. The apostle said, I take pleasure in my infirmities. What does that mean? Does that mean you take pleasure when you're sick? Actually, in your Greek language, the original text, it's the same exact word as weakness, asthenia. He said, I take pleasure in my weakness. How could somebody possibly ever boast in weaknesses? It's like that's so contrary to who we are. It's like paradoxically speaking about the nature of 99.999% of us. That we are happy when we've been broken. We're happy when we've been weak. As a matter of fact, if I could just be transparent with you tonight, professional Pentecostals have a very difficult time with this chapter. Because we have become good at, in a moment of weakness, when people shake our hand, we just smile and, how you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing great. God's been good to me, man. We're blessed. I love watching preachers at, at conferences when I've been on the phone with them and I know they've been going through H-E double hockey stick on earth. They get around their preacher friends and they walk, what's up doc, how you doing? Oh man, we're having revival. And they're not just saying it by faith. They've been going through it. But there's something about our nature that we don't like to be weak. We don't like to appear to be weak. Why? Well, because weakness is weakness, and there's no strength in weakness. That's how we feel. If I'm weak, then there's no possible way that I can be strong. It's like weakness is the antithesis of strength. It's the polar opposite. It's like there's no way that I could ever be anything in the kingdom of God in my weakness. So why would the apostle Glory in his weaknesses. I want to tell you why. Because when you finally run out of reasons, excuses, and strength, you will turn to him. Now I know tonight that this is not popular, but you hear this preacher when I tell you. There are some folks that will profess with their mouth they believe in God, but he's the last resource they reach out to. It happened in the scripture too. She tried every doctor she could. Spent all that she had. But one touch of the master changed everything. I feel like reaching out to somebody tonight to tell you that when you've tried everything <laughs> and everything has failed, 
There is a God that is able to meet you. Woo! Let me stay slow here for just a minute. I want to help somebody. What does it mean? What does it mean? The glory in my weakness. Understand this perfectly tonight. That it is usually in the weakest moment of one's life that they finally turn in the right direction. And when you turn to God in your weakness, you give him an opportunity to work in a way that he didn't have while you had it all together. Did everybody hear what I said? I said he can't work on those that have it all together. Give me Bible for that, Pastor. All right, I'm glad you asked. Jesus said the whole need not a physician. God is not in the business of knocking doors down and inviting himself in. But he's always there when somebody said, Lord, I've come as far as I can go. And this mountain's a little too high for me. And all of a sudden there is a God that becomes more real to us than he's ever been. Now. I like it because we quote it often, and I'm going to just kind of move around through these verses that I read you tonight. And I, want to, I just want to tell you, I like quoting it, I like preaching, I like talking about it, that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. I like that, it's good preaching. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard it preached in my life, and somebody will stand up and you can grunt it, growl it, cry it, whatever you want to do. It's good preaching. I've seen people say it with, with quivering lips because they're so broken and his strength made perfect in my weakness. And it's, it's just as strong for, for them as it is a guy that said, He has strength. <laughs> it's true. That his strength is made perfect in our weakness. You got your seatbelts on. Here comes the uncomfortable part. But what we usually want is not perfected strength. We want the ministry of extraction. You can be seated. We don't want his strength because his strength is perfected in our weakness. We want God to extract us out of our weakened state. Oh man, I'm preaching just good enough right there to help somebody. We would rather God deliver us out of the trouble than to find him to be that very present help in trouble. It's easier to preach about than it is to live. But what good is an ever-present help in trouble if you're never in trouble? When I was a boy, I came up hearing people testifying Hearing old school preachers preach, and as, as a kid, it didn't really make as much sense as it does to me now. And they'd stand up, and, you know, they'd, they'd get in their cadence and their rhythm, and they'd start preaching. They'd say, if it never healed my body, I'd never know that he was a healer. If it never brought me out, I'd never know that he was a deliverer. You hear that preaching, you're like, oh, man, wow. So you're laying in bed. You're sick in your body. And you're saying, God, get this out of here. I'll tell you what, folks. This might get some folks, not only uncomfortable, might get them mad. 
I'm going to tell you something. This COVID shutdown thing was good for some folks and it saved some people's families. Because there were folks during whatever you call it, quarantine or whatever, that had more word in their house than they've probably ever had. <laughs> I mean, when was the last time that like every single day somebody else was preaching in your house? For real? I mean, some of y'all that's got smart TV, I didn't know there was any such thing as a smart one. I thought they were all stupid, but <laughs> apparently there's, there's a thing called a smart TV. That's what, don't tell anybody online that's watching, but that's what we got out there in the lobby. That's what the box said it was. You got a TV? No, we got one in our church. Got a bunch of them. The TV in our lobby has got the Streaming device. Is it Roku? Roku? I'm getting the thumbs up. It's Roku. Some of y'all got Apple TV boxes, the streaming things. And you had preaching in your church, in your house on a weekly basis. I'm going to tell y'all something. That's the best thing you could ever use that screen for. It do, it do you some good Find you some kind of an app thing on there or whatever, how you can throw your phone to it or whatever. Just play the word in your house. Get some preaching and singing and Holy Ghost stuff moving in your house. I promise you, it won't be too long till them old blues that's been in your house been weighing you down, worrying you. Woo! And, and there were a lot of people praying for extraction. God would get this out, get it out, get it out. But God was separating some things. I mean, I was in a hurry to get rid of I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. I, every, every church I go to, every pastor I talk to, every, I mean, good Lord, it's everywhere. We went in, we stopped in a hotel last night to sleep for a little while. And the girl at the front desk was sharing her heart with us, like, this has been so hard, we're tired of it, we're sick of it. Everybody's tired of it, it's sick. But listen to what I'm telling you. You cannot waste opportunities that God has given us to put some things back together again. And then once we miss that opportunity, we blame God. Woo-wee. Am I helping anybody tonight? God made some people slow down, chill out, work a little bit less. Am I helping y'all? Isn't it something... That we start figuring out, uh, I hope you still got your uncomfortable seatbelts on because I'm just going to stay here for just a minute. <laughs> Here's what we do. We get financially stretched and stressed. And so instead of adjusting our lifestyle, we just work more. And we get things out of balance. And then when we get out of balance, it starts falling apart. And when it starts falling apart, we're like, I can't believe God would let this happen. It's Wednesday night. So I'm going to break it down Gerber style for some of you. I'm going to get down where you're living. I'm going to get it in your heart tonight. Not everything you go through is something that God has the intention of extracting you out of. 
Not everything that you go through will the ministry of extraction be the next blessing that knocks on your door. Sometimes you're going to have to walk through some things. Uh, I've preached it and preached it and preached it till I, I feel like a broken record sometimes. It was Jesus that said, if you've got faith as of a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed. But then you got to ask the question, why didn't he move it for Abraham? Because he don't move every mountain. Some mountains you got to climb. Some mountains you got to get up to the top of and see if you're willing to build an altar and lay down the things that God's blessed you with to find out. Do you want extraction? Do you want mountains moved? Or do you want perfect strength? talk to you right here now. I'm just, I'm just talking to you. The reason some folks are not familiar with sufficient grace is because they're still asking God to remove thorns that he said no to more than once. This is a powerful principle we can't overlook. The f- sufficient grace of God was not revealed in the removing of the thorn. It was revealed in leaving it there. It doesn't mean God has failed because he didn't answer the prayer that you asked him to answer verbatim. Have you ever thought about, I do this a lot, maybe I'm just weird. But have you ever looked back on your life and thought how different it would be if God would have answered some of the prayers that you prayed a long time ago? (laughs) I can tell a story about my mom. She'd let me. Walking around some of our conferences and conventions. And she'd walk past an old boy. And she'd say, boy, I'm sure glad I didn't marry him. I don't know if, if I should tell this or not. <laughs> I'm wrestling and it's winning. <laughs> I found out one time before I was married that apparently this young lady was praying that God would connect she and I. And uh, the story was told that if I pulled into a parking lot driving a certain vehicle, (laughs) that then she would know it was the will of God for us to be together. But God did not tell me that. (laughs) So I drove the vehicle that was the prophetic magic carpet. And apparently several people were were severely disappointed when I missed God. And you look back on your life and you just say, Lord, I just want to thank you. (laughs) That you don't answer every prayer. 
had some prayers when I was a kid. My children were talking about this today on the road. I had some prayers when I was a kid. And I would find myself in my bedroom praying, God, please let him forget. What he promised me from the platform today. These were the prayers that I was grateful God answered. My kids told me today, they said, Dad, you promised us before that you were going to whip us and you forgot. <laughs> Sister Kelly, I made it very clear. I said, don't you think for one minute that I forgot. I had mercy on you. <laughs> I didn't forget. I forget nothing. <laughs> but you do need to understand that there are prayers that I'm grateful he's answered. And there are prayers that I'm grateful he didn't answer. Because had he extracted me from that while I was in it, I would have never known his sufficient grace like I know it today. Sometimes you don't need his blessing. Sometimes you don't need his deliverance. Sometimes you need his strength. Sometimes you need to realize that you're not needing some big flash of lightning. You're needing to be settled down and slowed down so you can hear that still, small voice. I'm praying that somebody tonight will get the courage in your soul to quit asking God for the ministry of extraction and start believing God that his strength will be perfect and his grace is still sufficient. You still got that seatbelt on because I'm going to deal with you for just a minute. I'm dealing with me too. I'm going to tell you something tonight, church family. Some of us just do better with grace than we do blessings. Let that settle in your spirit for a minute. Because blessings often come and then they go just as quickly as they came. Oh my. Some of us receive the blessing of the Lord and think it means that it's the end of a season. We can't handle, hope you're ready, we can't handle the blessings of God in some seasons of our lives because we mistake blessings for favor. And we mistake favor for extraction. There are seasons in your life that you're going to go through that not because he doesn't have the potential to do it, but you can't afford for God to bless you in that season. Because if he were to come down and bless you in that season, you would come to, to the place that King David came to. And I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories of David. It actually shows his heart greater than than some of the others that we talk about a lot. The scripture said he was a man after God's own heart. That means he was pursuing after God's heart. He was a man pursuing God. And the scripture said that David got thirsty. He was in a cave with a bunch of broke down people. A bunch of men that the scripture said was in debt. They were messed up. It was a big group of guys that were in serious trouble. And he said, oh, what I would not give for a cold drink from the well of Bethlehem. You've read it? 
He said, I want a drink from the well of Bethlehem. So a couple of the guys get together and are like, hey, man, if the king wants it, let's go get it. So the Bible said that these men got together and they ran through the enemy's garrison, so to speak, got to the well at Bethlehem and filled up a bucket with water, brought it all the way back to the cave, handed it to King David. You know what he did with it? How rude. They just ran to get you a bucket of water because you said that's what you wanted. They went all the way. Somebody say all the way to Bethlehem. They went all the way to Bethlehem to get you a drink and you dumped it out. Why in the world, David, did you just dump out their offering? And here's the reason. I'm glad you asked. David couldn't afford the blessing of a drink from the well. Because if David ever got to the place that he realized the well of Bethlehem was accessible from the cave. He would have never took Bethlehem back. David refused to drink the water from the wells of Bethlehem in the cave. Because his feeling was, if it's worth getting a drink, it's worth going myself to get it. David realized that the water was so good that he couldn't afford to drink it while he was down. This is not the season for me to get blessed. It's a season for me to survive until I come out of this cave. Some of us are asking God for a cool drink from an altar, but we're trying to get it from a cave. There's some folks struggling with that right now. I said this, I think it was here I said it the other day about a quote that's been helping me so much. I've seen it all over social media. It said the problem of missing church is after a while, you don't miss church. And that's where a lot of people are right now. They're trying to get a drink from the cave. And they're wanting to send blessers to go get the water and bring it back to them. My wife and I drove past the church today. And the sign, I don't even know what kind of church it was. The sign said, visitors welcome, members expected. I was like, wonder what they meant. Let's <laughs> say COVID probably took a little cold, a little, little toll on their on their attendance, maybe. <laughs> I wonder what our people would say if I was just like. Guests are welcome, but you're expected. You know, the nice thing about letting other people say things is when you preach it, they get the blame for it. Isn't that good? You see what just happened right there? Set it right up on the tee for me and just. Phew. We got to come to the same idea that David had. This is not a good time for me to be focused on the blessing of the water. Here's the understanding, folks. Listen to Pastor. Let me get this down deep in your soul about his sufficient grace. If you take the drink now, it may be the last drink you get. If you destroy the enemy that's standing at the well, you'll have eternal access to the well. I'm not satisfied with a drink. I want the well. 
I'm not asking God tonight to send me a cool, refreshing drink in the time of trouble. I'm saying, God, let your strength become perfect. Let me understand your sufficient grace because I don't plan on living in this cave forever. I'm coming out of this thing. I'm coming through this thing. I'm going to make it through. Hope is something we cannot afford to lose. But our hope is often predicated on the answer we receive when we ask. I feel like that if God has been trying to get a message to me over the last several years of my life, it has been this one simple message. And it, it, it has, it's overtaken my prayer life. It's overtaken uh, even the way that I preach, the way that I minister. And it's very simply this. Quit asking me to bless everything you're doing Find out what I'm blessing and do that. It's like, that. It's honest to God, it's overtaken my life. Because I've spent so much of my life saying, God, bless this church. Get something prepared to preach at a, at a meeting and say, God, bless this. What if he don't want to bless it? What if I'm preaching something he didn't want me to preach? You, you understand what I'm saying? What if I'm saying, God bless you? He's saying, no, you're not in alignment yet. I want to bring myself to the place where I'm not constantly asking God to bless. I don't need the blessing. I need sufficient grace. I need God to be revealed to me in a way that only he can be revealed to me in times when I've come to my wit's end. You ever tied a knot on the end of the rope and you're just hanging on? Do you know what's just beyond that? Let go and let God. Isaiah 54 and 17. I've preached this many times throughout the years, but somebody needs to be reminded tonight. Isaiah 54 and 17. Y'all know where I'm going yet? He said in the new... Luke St. Clair International Version. There will never be trouble that comes to you. There will never be weapons that are formed against you. There will never be people that lift their tongue to speak against you. That's my version. That's the one I want. But the Lord spoke through the prophet Isaiah and he said it a little bit different. He said, Isaiah, you need to understand, son, the weapon is going to be formed. And the tongue is going to rise against you. But just know that when the weapon is formed, it has no prosperity. You've got to get this down deep in your soul tonight. You are not forsaken because weapons are formed in your life. He has not forsaken us because the weapon has been formed you know that you're in the will of God when every weapon that's formed against you just can't work it gives you a different kind of testimony because you stand up to your feet and you say devil everything you've tried to give me everything you've tried to take from me and I'm still standing on my own two feet you tried to get my family you tried to get my worship
relationship. You tried to take my children. You tried to get my marriage. But I'm still standing. Man, I feel something a little more powerful in here tonight trying to move in this place. I'm hurrying tonight. I'm hurrying. Mm. When I was a teenager, it was a song that uh, Michael English used to sing. I listened to it 150,000 times probably. The song is There's Not a Crown Without a, a Cross, I believe was the title of it. But the chorus said, there's not a victory without a fight, and there's not a sunrise without a night. There's not a, I can't remember exactly the next line, there's not a uh, purpose without a cost, I believe, and there's not a crown without a cross. Powerful lyrics, but it doesn't mean the same thing to you until you get to the place in your life that you realize sometimes victory don't feel like victory. I've stood funerals and, and preached, and I, I don't know how many times I, I, I heard uh, Brother Carpenter last night reading the scripture, Mother, oh, death, where is I sting? Oh, grave, where is I victory? And sometimes I just want to scream and say, it's stinging me! <laughs> Feels like I'm not having victory right now. But deliverance was not the will of God. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Concept is strange. That when the sting of death is affecting you, you can raise your voice and say, Oh, death, where is that sting? What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you got to look beyond the present and look beyond the next horizon and know that even if deliverance wasn't the answer, Sufficient grace is standing beside you. We are a people that believe in the power of victory and overcoming. And I love to preach it. Man, I'm telling you all right now. There is no place in this world I'd rather preach than a hot Sunday night at FPC. I can get up here sometimes just preach the most simple little old thought about victory. And y'all do everything but backflips. I thank God for victory. Someday somebody might. I don't know. I've been in church where they've done it. Just haven't done it at FPC yet. But I want to tell you folks, a lot of times what we're saying when we profess words of faith with our mouth is that we want the victory. We just don't want the battle. We rejoice when we hear, I'm a soldier. In the army of the Lord. And we like being soldiers. But we really kind of like being like those North Korean soldiers. Watch them jokers come out and they got medals that hang down to their belt. They never fought in a single war. I'm like, how'd you get that? Who said you were brave? You understand what I'm saying? 
You let a United States Marine walk in, you can't see his lapel just covered, or a Navy officer walk in, they got the pants like, you don't have, they don't have to say a word, they just walk in, you're like, why? Because you know they've been through something. Oh, God. Look at some of these foo-foo TV preachers. Talk about you're a thousand dollars away from your next miracle. That's hogwash. My God. If I could pay a thousand dollars to get out of trouble, I'd be broke all the time. Just being honest. By the way, has anybody here got a thousand bucks I could borrow? Because if you'll let me have it. <laughs> it cracks me up. The next way for you to get victory is for you to buy your way out. I'm sorry, I don't believe it. But I'm going to tell you this. I've never been asked of God to give sacrificially that it broke my heart. Because I knew that whatever he was speaking to me to give, it was not to buy my next victory. It was in gratitude for sufficient grace. There are simply times that you do not understand peace. Until you have to be alone with the Prince of Peace. There have been times that we have misinterpreted and misunderstood his presence to be the end of a season. When in fact it was just the acknowledgement that you're not alone and you're going to come through this. In reality, God is saying, I'm not going to modify your circumstance. I'm going to modify you. I'm not going to take the storm. I'm going to teach you how to respond in a storm. Folks, listen. I've been in this thing long enough that I know what it feels like when God breaks you down like a shotgun. Twists you inside out. Why would God do that if he's a loving God? Because you don't understand the love of God until you realize how much kindness and love and sufficient grace it takes for him to reach down in and take everything that I have created in my life. And he's saying, all I'm doing right now is I'm forming you back into the image of what I created you to be. He's not trying to kill you. He's trying to modify you back into an image that says, God, whatever comes my way, I'm going to make it. I'm not asking deliverance. I'm asking to be in alignment with your will. I close tonight with this. Mom, I'd like to sing through it all tonight. If you'd come help me. I close with this. There's a thing that you'll hear talked about if you ever get around people that are lifting weights. and It's funny. You get around young guys, and they're always talking about that they maxed out. I maxed out. Well, my max out gets different the older I get. <laughs> it's like my max out is... Is not as heavy as I can lift. My max out is like, I made it out of the house to go to the gym and I maxed out. <laughs> the other night in Louisiana, 
I was with one of the other preachers there in, in Brother Thornton's church, and I'd ask him if he could get me into his gym. We went together, and, and so he got to the end of, of his set, and I knew that he was working on the last rep that he could, that he could get on his own. If you've ever lifted, it'll make sense to you. And on the last one, I could tell it was the last one that, that he was going to get. And so as he got to the top, I said, come on, man, one more, one more, one more, one more. And he lowered it back down to his chest, and I'm like, he's not doing this without help. And I reached down, and I just took my finger on the end of the bar, just, just like nothing. It was more than he could handle, but it didn't take much from me. Just with one finger, I reached down. And with just a little bit of help, we found out that he wasn't as maxed out as he thought he was. He was maxed out on his own. How does strength become perfected in weakness? Because when you've come as far as you can, there's a hand that reaches down. And it just begins to lift. It just, just begins to lift that burden. And all of a sudden you realize... If that would have been up to me, I'd have been done. But that almighty hand reached down and did more for me than I could have ever dreamed. I want you to know tonight, you may feel like you're maxed out, but his grace is sufficient. And he is able tonight to reach down and do for you what no other power can do. Do you believe it tonight? I've had many tears and sorrows.